So, treasure hunt. How many of you have been on a treasure hunt in your life? A few hands up. Was it fun? Yeah. 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 Why would one go on a treasure hunt? To find something of value. To have something that you would treasure, that you would want to keep. Anybody do a scavenger hunt? Did you like that? Did you get a good treasure? No, yes, maybe. The reason for a treasure hunt is for great gain. For my granddaughter's birthday, she wants to do what I want day to find her treasures. She's going shopping with a friend, looking for something very special. Ronnie and I had to contribute to that to make sure it was very special. And she wants a cake. You ever had a cake that looked like that? And as we get older, the idea of what our treasure is changes. When I was 16, it was a car. Not just any car, but a 1967 Dodge Charger with a 426 Hemi, four on the floor. It had to be that one. And I would be happy forever. I worked two different jobs to pay for it. I didn't have a lot of gas money, but I had the car and I was cool. And at different ages, our idea of a treasure, it changes, doesn't it? Then the girl, she was my treasure. I found her, she found me, it was awesome. And I thought that would never change. And then another girl came along, my daughter Andrea. And she was an awesome treasure. Then my two sons. I had more treasures. And of course, inevitably, if you got the car and you got the wife and you've got the kids, what else do you need? Need a van. Need a van. <laughs> <laughs> Not in those days. Unless a Volkswagen 12 window, whatever, yeah. you know. But you gotta have the house. You got to have money for utilities and food and clothes. And does anybody understand how expensive kids are? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And something happened. It all came crashing down. I didn't have the car, I didn't have the girl. 
and I had my, two, my three kids. And my treasure hunt had to start all over. And I realized that my previous treasure hunts have really been based on the wrong things. We know that some people have a lot on this earth, some not so much. But the whole issue is where's your heart? Because as Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. It's not wrong to be wealthy. It's not wrong to be poor. Jesus said we're going to have poor till he comes back. They'll always be poor, he said. But it's the focus of where our treasure is. Timothy, uh, Paul put it this way to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we'll be, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich, in other words, those who put riches above everything else, will fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It's not having money, it's the love of money. It's I've got to get more and more and more. We're going to get to a point to where Jesus actually praised some rich people as well. That's coming up. If we're storing up our treasures on earth, if the object of our attention is centered on ourselves and what we can accumulate, or when you want to bring glory to yourself, in what you do, it can result in ruin. The most important failing, and most importantly, falling away from the faith. I've been around people who are rich, who have a big bank account, big house, awesome. But they serve the Lord so well with their money. And yet I run across people all the time. This is a long passage, Matthew uh, 1916, a man comes up to him saying, Teacher, what should I do? What should I do for eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you, you would enter life, keep the commandments. We all know the commandments. How many commandments are there? There's that 10 basic and 613 of the other ones that they threw in there that God threw in there. Rich man says, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, not commit adultery, not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and you, will, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man says, I do all that. I'm perfect. I'm awesome. I'm cool. And Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go and sell everything you have. Why? Because Jesus knew the man's heart. 
sell it, give to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And when the young man heard it, he just, he couldn't do it. He had so much on the earth that he, that he, that was his treasure. Then it was gone. He was gone, I'm sorry. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's based on a Persian proverb. They used to say it's easier for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. Problem is nobody knows what the eye of the needle was. Their speculation was just a small door that could easily be protected. Some said, no, it's a real needle. We don't know for sure. The young man left sad because he was very rich, the Bible tells us. He told, chose the treasures of this earth rather than Jesus. And so the idea is that we need to make Jesus our treasure while we're on earth. Being religious doesn't make treasures. Because there's a lot of people in this world who are religious but have no faith in Jesus Christ, no love for Jesus Christ. And there's, there's people who condemn those who Let me just move on. Football's coming. I understand. <laughs> Most of us are, and if, you, if I go too long, I've got an app on my phone, uh, NFL app, and I can tell you what's happening in the game, okay? So don't worry about that. We'll keep you appraised. Most of us are familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Short guy. Climbed up a tree. Jesus is walking along with the crowd. And Jesus looks up and says, hey, Zach, come on down. I'm having dinner at your place today. And like Matthew, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And in those days, he was a dude with the money. Tax collectors were known for defrauding the people they collected taxes from because they were mainly ignorant of what the real rules were. So they'd always rake in a little bit more. We have it the same way with the tax code. Anybody ever looked at the complete tax code? Stacked up about this high. You know, we have problems with that. But he says, Zacchaeus, come on down. And when they saw it, the Pharisees, they all grumbled. Why? Because Jesus was going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, a meal with a tax collector and other sinners. But when they got to his house, Zacchaeus kind of realized what was going on. And he says, look, here's what I'm going to do. Half of my goods, Lord, I'm going to give to the poor. 
Did he give it all away? No, but half of it. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Why would he do that? Paying for his debt, so to speak, here on earth. And Jesus knew his heart, and he said, today salvation has come to this house. Since he is also a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Basically, that's what happened with the money. It was used to seek and save the lost. We should consider Matthew. How many of you watched The Chosen? How is Matthew portrayed in that? What is it, OCD? And they kind of indicate in that story, in that TV show, that Matthew gave everything up. But we don't know that. That's just supposition. Somebody paid for Jesus' travels. Somebody donated money to it. Maybe it was Matthew. We don't know. And if you remember, after Jesus called Matthew, where did they go? They went to Matthew's mansion and had a meal with all the sinners. And I think that's in the Bible so much because no matter what you do, somebody's going to complain. No matter how good you try to be, somebody will complain. No matter how much you try to serve the Lord, somebody's going to complain in our lives. Ignore them. Just ignore them. Ray read this passage where we're supposed to store our treasures in heaven. So, how do we do that? Well, in 2 Timothy, it says, a great reward is promised to those who are persecuted. You ever been persecuted for your faith? Ever had somebody in your face saying, no, that's not true. Get out of here. Leave us alone. Jesus says he's going to bring those rewards with him when he returns. It's in Revelation 12, uh, 22, 12. But if we're after real treasure, lasting treasure, it doesn't come on earth. It comes in heaven. Our motivation for what we do is important. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul encourages servants that God has an eternal reward for those who are motivated to serve Christ. Colossians 3, 23, 24, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Working construction, do it for the Lord. I used to tell my guys, do the right thing. And then I'd also tell architects, are you sure you want me to build it that way? 
because if you're around people in the building trades, you know designers aren't, don't always have it right. What did you say, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> if you're working construction, do it for the Lord. If you're growing food, do it for the Lord like the Lord has called you to provide it for the marriage supper of the Lamb. You do your very best. If you cook, and I know there's some really good cooks in here, do it. I'm sorry. If you're a bad cook, do it as though it's for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because even if it's, you're a bad cook, like I am, you know how I make lasagna? I go to the store and buy it, frozen. That's my limit of cooking stuff. I'm pretty good with bacon, as you can tell, but, you know. We should not work for the praise of mankind. We should do what we do for our treasure in heaven. Not for people, but for God. And all of us have a gift to serve God. All of us. Do you realize that? All of us have a gift. If you don't know what your gift is, ask God about it. And then get up and start doing stuff. If you fail miserably at it, it's probably not your gift. But if you do it well, and you learn to do it better, that might be your gift. But all that we do, we do for the Lord. And here's a couple of other do's. And how am I doing on time, Renee? Am I going to make it for the game? Okay. All right. Well, I'm skipping a couple of things here. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Philippians 2, 3. You know, we live in a world that's really messed up Because most people think they are number one. And I'm not just talking about the young people. We run into a lot of old people like that. We've forgotten this passage. Don't do it for selfish ambition or conceit. But count others as more significant than yourself. Do we do that in our lives? Is that something that's important to us? I think it's important today because studies have shown that we live in the most self-centered, narcissistic, you know the word I'm trying to say, society since the Roman times. Wow. And then the other one that's so important for us so very important for our hearts is that we forgive others. Well, they didn't come and and repent to me. 
So what? You see, if you hold hardness in your heart for someone, that hurts you more than it does them. And we need to forgive people when they do something wrong towards us. Hardest thing in my life was forgiving my stepdad for all the stuff he did. I went into the army and he sold my car. That was pretty bad. For me, anyway. Life should not be about us. It should be about how we can serve God, and that's a tremendous treasure. Forgive others. If you think about it, if they go to, if you're holding a grudge, and that person goes to God and repents and gets forgiveness, who are you to hold a grudge? And you don't know if or when that's going to happen in your life. 